Thanks for checking out the Ascent Church podcast. Our mission is to reach, equip, and impact others exactly where they are as we rise to new life in Christ. We hope that this message encourages you. Now, here's Pastor Thomas Lane. And we're going to go to the text. We're going to go to a book called Acts. Now, Acts is right after Jesus ascends to heaven. This is the first kind of chatter about the early church. This is the early church, what the early church is up to. We're going to Acts 19. You can follow along with me right up here on the screen or through our Bible. You can do that on app, whatever you like. Acts 19, 23. This is about Paul and his travels. About that time, there arose a great disturbance about the way. Somebody say the way? What's he talking about? The way? Is he talking about like the way? So we all know the way. So we all come home from the gym and you can't find your shaker cup. The protein's gone, and there goes in your house a great disturbance about the way. Okay? You're upset, but nope, the bag's getting empty. I think we gotta go to Costco. We gotta do a trip. Not this way, even though it is, it is delicious. Oh man, it smells, it just smells so good. Okay, sorry. Sermon. Not the way, the way. What's the way? The way is the name of the early church. Before they said we're Christians, they said we're followers of the way. I think that's kind of cool. I like that phrase. I like that name because Jesus once said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I think that's pretty incredible. So they called themselves the way. The idea was this, that Paul was preaching about, not that way, the way, and it was causing some uh, rough feathers in the culture. Check this out. A silversmith named Demetrius who made silver shrines of Artemis, brought in a lot of business for the craftsmen there. Who cares? Because y'all, I, I get it. I get it. I know what it's like. Y'all are like, marriage is hard, raising kids are hard, um, work is hard. I'm stressed. I got a lot of stuff going on, and you're going to tell me about a silversmith named Demetrius. But I want to tell you, hold on. This is actually super relevant. You just follow me and track with me here today. He called them together along with the workers in related trades and said, he said, you know, my friends, that we receive a good income from this business. Somebody say business. Let me tell you about this business. Let me tell you what's going on. They were in a place called Ephesus. It's in modern day Turkey. It was a big, old city. And this is true. This is not, this is not made up. Um, this is actually 100% true. Look it up in the history books. They worship this God, God is Artemis. And Artemis is all about business, all about work, all about success. And y'all are like, that's stupid to worship work, to worship business. I want to tell you, we do it all the time. Okay, have you ever been on a date and took a work call? That may be us. Have you ever had a date with the kids and you're like, that, that, you know, daddy, daddy's with you all day and you leave the bathroom and you're lingering a little bit and you're like, I'm going to get some water. And you're like, what do they email say? Maybe you worship work. Maybe when you wake up early and the first thing you check is email to see if a client called or texted you or wrote you back, maybe work is an idol. So we see this and they worship Artemis and they worship business. I mean, that's so silly, but in the reality is nothing has changed. It just looks different. Well, one day this meteorite fell, okay? It crashed. And they, they, they had nothing else to do. They didn't have Netflix, baby. They didn't have Hulu. So they're not doing anything. Well, they're like, let's go see what that's about. So they got the meteorite, and somebody said, it kind of looks like Artemis. It kind of looks like she sent her image to us for us to worship it. That's a good idea. You ever see on the news someone finds a potato, and it looks like Mother Teresa? <laughs> right? 
Or they're like, I'll offer five minutes like Abraham Lincoln. I'm going to frame it. That's what we do. They did the same thing. A lot of people said, don't want anything like her, or whatever. They built this shrine, okay? They built this temple. And maybe in school we learned about the Parthenon. It was this big temple. It was big. This sucker was six times larger than the Parthenon. This was huge, okay? This was like the Disney world of the ancient world, okay? I know it's kind of sad. No roller coasters, no costumes, but people would come from all over the known world to visit this. And what did you do at Disney World. Yes, it's super expensive, but you got to get your kids some trinkets, right? A water bottle, a keychain, stuff that's going to be in the garbage in a few days, okay? But they had to get some stuff. So these dudes were making money. Ephesus blew up. It was a commercial center, and they were making these silver trinkets, these shrines of Artemis. So you could take one home with you to worship it, to give you success in business and more clients. And a great year. That's what's going on. But what you need to see is this that Paul always confronted the idols. Everywhere he went, he confronted the idols because you can't confront sin without confronting your idols. Here's what I mean by that some of you have a habit or an addiction or this recurring theme in your life and it won't go away. And you've heard the sermons, you've read the books, and deep down you're like, stop it. Stop sinning. Stop struggling, stop sitting, you beat into your head, but you just feel worse. You feel guilty, you feel terrible, and I know a lot of people who have left faith because of that. Because they went to a church, and the preacher gets beat up for an hour, making them feel bad and guilty. Because you need to know all those things that we often call sins are just symptoms. They're up here. Because you may be thinking, well, why do I lie? Why can I not get it? Why, why, why do I cheat? Why do I sleep around? Why do I do this? We're, we're trying to focus on the symptoms. We have to look deeper, because they're always a hard issue. Idolatry is always a heart issue. And that's what Paul was speaking to. Let's pick this one, for example. Let's say sleeping around. Let's say meeting, hooking up with someone at the bar. Let's say that. Let's say it's sex. Let's say that's your thing. We have this cycle we all fall into. Right? We're lonely. We're bored. What do you think? Get on Tinder. Go to the bar. You meet someone. You know you shouldn't. You know it didn't work out last time, but you're like, what the heck? There's nothing else to do. Okay? You sleep with them. It feels great. It feels good for a second. And then there's guilt. There's shame. There's misery, and you land right back where you start. Well, so you could keep doing what you're doing. Say, stop doing that. You beat yourself up. You pulverize yourself. But I'm going to challenge you to look at it a little differently. Rather than look at the symptom, look at the sin underneath. That's idolatry. What could be the idol in that situation? Well, maybe it's relationships. You have to be in a relationship. It can be with a doofus. It can be with a dingbag. You don't care. If they'll look at you, if they'll make you feel pretty, if they'll talk to you, you'll hang out with them. You'll sleep with them. You'll spend time with them. Maybe it's the fear of being alone. Maybe it's control. You have to control the situation. That is the thing you can point at to attack, to, 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 to take it to the center of your life, off the throne, and to put God in its place. It's always idolatry. You need to know to defeat our sin, our idols must be defeated. So many of us have been in church for months, weeks, years, and you're like, I'm not changing. That's different. That I don't feel any different. I don't feel closer to God. It's because we haven't attacked our idols. When Paul preached, he always called out the idols. And we need to do the same. Follow me. Verse 26. And you see and hear how this fellow Paul has convinced and led astray large numbers of people here in Ephesus. That means they started going to church, by the way. He's led them astray. And practically the whole province of Asia. He says that gods made by human hands are no gods at all. It's funny he says that because he's actually speaking the truth. You need to know all gods, all idols, lowercase g gods, are actually made by our hands. 
Now, it could be a result of your upbringing, or of a heartbreak, or of a divorce, or pain, but you and I construct our idols. We build them, we construct them, we make them in our image, and we elevate them to a place where they're always made by our hands, and they just cause devastation. There is danger, not only that our trade will lose its good name, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis will be, dis- will be discredited, and the goddess herself, who is worshipped throughout the province of Asia and the world, will be robbed of her divine majesty. What you need to know is that Paul's preaching changed the economy. That's impressive. Right on. There's no way it was half the city. There's no way it was a third of the city. We don't know how much it was, but it could not have been that many. But for whatever reason, that group of people, as small as they were, were so, so sold out, so bought in, so committed to following Christ, it changed the way they, they, they it changed how they vacation, it changed how they worship, it changed how they spent money, it changed everything. This is the modern day equivalent. Okay, of Paul going to Vegas, preaching in Vegas, and the strip clubs have to start, have to start shutting down all over town. The, the, the owners of the strip club got to get together and say, well, who's this Paul doing? He's coming in our business. Okay? Because people say, look, I can't be, I can't follow Christ and follow this. I can't do both. I have to choose one or the other. It affected bottom line. And it ruffles the feathers. Does anybody use Instagram? Okay. <laughs> Was there like a. Oh. Um. <laughs> what would I have said if. Has anyone got a root canal this week? Because, like, that's what I would expect with that. Not Instagram. Maybe they Instagram. That's cool. I kind of like Instagram. I think it's a great way to connect it. But Instagram gives us an illusion. The illusion of Instagram, above all else, is that you can follow as many people as you want at the same time. On Instagram, you can follow any business you want, any church you want, any person you want. You can just follow, 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 follow. You can follow thousands of people. And it gives us the illusion that we can do that in life, but that's not how it works. Because you need to understand we can't follow Christ unless we unfollow our idols. Somebody today needs to hit unsubscribe. That's what you got to do. It feels good to hit unfollow. It feels good to hit unsubscribe. There's a weight off your back. There's a weight off your shoulders. You can take a breath and you say, man, that stupid old name ain't going to bother me anymore. It feels good. If something constantly is in your face that you don't want a part of, it feels good to say unfollow. Now I'm done with this. I'm done with you. I'm moving on. That's what so many of us need to do in the spiritual sense today. If you're not seeing life change, if you're not seeing breakthrough, if you're not seeing any peace, and sometimes deep down you feel like it's not even real, nothing's really happening, turn to your eyes. Turn to your eyes. You've got to head out and subscribe. You're trying to add Jesus into the mix. What he wants to throw out the mix would be the only thing in your life. That's what he wants. You're trying to say, I'm not a little Jesus, a little of this. It don't work. It don't work. You don't want you just on Sunday morning. You don't want you. You need to see this. The world noticed. Did you see that? The city said, we don't even know what these people believe, but something's different about it. I'm going to ask you, does the world notice us? Good, bad, or ugly? Does the world notice us? Does the world see us? Because a lot of us check in. A lot of us do tags. A lot of us wear the shirts around. That's cool. But when, the, when, when someone says, hey, I go to the said church, or yeah, I'm a Christian, what does that say? Are you acting any different? Are you living 
any different. See, Christians today, we say this thing. We say, this thing. We say I'm just, I'm a Christian, but I'm just real. They say, I'm not, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I'm really real. But often what we mean is, I'm just going to keep sinning. I'm not going to change anything. I'm going to do what I want because I'm authentic. Because in our culture, authenticity is an idol. Authenticity is like, Ethan, you are cool if you're authentic, all right? You are cool. If you're phony, you're out. But if you are authentic, you're cool. But that's what we do. But no, that's not being real. You're just living the same as everybody else. Look what Jesus has for us. This is intense. Matthew 5, 13. Let's go there. He said, you are the salt of the earth. Hold on, I'll tell you what that means. That's a weird thing to say. But if the salt uses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? Look, it's no longer any good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled in you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Let's go to the next verse. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. That would be a waste. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. We were meant to be light. We were meant to shine light in dark places. Are you shining light in dark places? We were meant to be salt. What does that mean? Seriously, what is he talking about? That's what we say. Light, I get it. Let's shine out the dark. Let's illuminate the night. That's sexy. So? That's a weird, that's a weird thing. Have you ever been to Chick-fil-A and had a waffle fry without salt on it? It tastes like, it tastes like earth. Sorry, Jesus, I know it's your chicken. I oh. You can't do it. But, 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 if you have, but, if you try the fry with salt on it, what do you say? You'll say, mmm, this is some good salt. You say, this is a good fry. You say, this is a good, you know, you know what salt does? Salt adds flavor to things which desperately need it. Salt adds a little spice of life, a little culture, a little panache, a little accent, a little this, a little that. That's what salt does. You know what else salt does? I got my word of salt here. You know what salt does? Salt is a preserver. In the ancient world, if you had meat and you wanted to keep it, you know, from rotting, what did you do? You had it, you sprinkle a little salt on it. Oh. A little sprinkle. Somebody say sprinkle. Somebody say sprinkle. How do I keep doing this in my legs? When I say sprinkle, I don't know. But here's the point. Jesus is saying this world is broken. He's saying this world is dying. And you're meant to preserve it. To keep it from rot. That, that's a powerful image. Because when you heard salt, you said, this is a dumb one. Next. But Jesus said, I made my church. And I just want y'all to be sprinkled <laughs> over this city, over this world. Because salt doesn't do its job when it's with other salt. Ever notice that? Salt by itself is just salt. I don't want this. Anybody want this garbage? Anybody want to come here and go, ah, let's give you a little taste? And you don't want that garbage. Sit down, man. You don't want that. <laughs> Who want that is? But salt does its job when it interacts with things which are broken or at the risk of corrupting or at the risk of dying. I'm going to ask you, how do you live your faith? Are you in this container? It took me about five minutes to open this joker. <laughs> it did. Because I'm authentic. I can tell you about it, right? But I want to tell you this. Are you like this? Do you stay in the container? Does your faith stay contained? Are you here at church? Or are you interacting with the city? Are you being salt? Are you allowing God to sprinkle you on some things? 
You want some too? Come on. How are you living your life? How are you acting out your faith? Because some of us say, yeah, I love Jesus, he's great, but we stay contained. That was not God's purpose or his plan for you. How do we change the world? What can we do? Well, it all comes down to this. To change the world, we must change our worship. To change the world, we must change what we revolve our lives around. Because if you stay stuck worshiping your idols, you will never make an impact. You will never be salt and light. But once you realize the true true way to change the world is to change your worship, you can break free. You can put your foot down. You can say, I do declare war. I'm ready to be salt and light. I want to be salt to a dying world. I want to be light to a people who desperately need to see his face. That's what you can do. Get excited about it, somebody. That's what you can do. That's what he's calling us to do. He's not calling us to be light under a fold. He's not calling us to be salt in this impossible to open Morton salt container. No, no, no. He's calling us to interact with the city, with the society, with those other moms at preschool, with those other dads on the soccer field, with those guys at work, with those ladies you see at the coffee shop. That's what he's calling us to do. But I want to ask you, are you the same as everyone else? Do you spend your money the same as everyone else? Do you ignore the poor like everyone else? Do you talk the same? Do you gossip about your husband like everyone else? When someone cuts you off, do you say some words and show some fingers like everybody else? How do you treat those different from you? How do you treat those who you disagree with? And what is that doing to our witness? How is that preventing us from being salt and light? This scares me. If I can be honest with you, one of the few things that you see up at night is this. Is that some of us... Because scripture's scary. Scripture says there's some of us here that profess Christ, come to church, but deep down we haven't gotten it yet. We say the right things, we know the prayer, we know the Bible, we know it, but deep down we haven't gotten it. And the way we have to look is it's all about our fruit, it's all about how we live. There's this weird illustration I'd like to I'd like to share, and hope, hope it clicks. Hope it clicks. And before I do, the goal of today is for not for you to hear try harder. If anyone needs to say, I need to just try harder, I just need to grind a little bit harder, that would be, you misheard me, you misheard Christianity. Christianity is not try harder or earn your way to God. Christianity is that God earned it all for you and gave you this gift of salvation of life. Don't mix them up. Don't you mix them up. You might leave here saying, Pastor Peace, I just need to try harder. No, no, no. Here's my illustration, which is weird. Imagine we met right out there in the lobby. I said, welcome to Ascent. How you doing? And you said, welcome to Donuts. are great. How are you? And I said, I'm feeling good. I just finished a marathon. And you said, like, yesterday? And I said, no, I just finished it. In my boots and skinny jeans, I just finished a marathon. <laughs> and you say, well, if you've been coming here, you said, I know you don't like cardio. You don't seem that sweaty. I don't know if I believe you. Because when we run, we don't look like this guy in the back. <laughs> we don't. Everyone else is like, uh, but he just, that's a profile picture, baby. I don't know his name. This went viral when he did this mid-race. He's just like, hey. He looks great. But we don't look like that. So if I were to tell you I just ran a race, but I look like this, you say, I don't think so. Here's a different example. David Platt used to it all the time. Let's say, say David, we come in the morning, I say, how are you? You say, I'm good. Coffee's good. Donuts are good. How are you, Pastor T? And I said, I'm pretty good, but it was a weird morning because I got hit by a truck. You say, what? And I said, yeah, I'm going to lay in, and an 18-wheeler just ran me over. 
You say, what, what are you talking about? It was going 75, and it just barreled me over. You probably believe me. You say, some, some doesn't quite fit. You see, if you got hit by a truck, you wouldn't walk the same, you wouldn't talk the same, you wouldn't act the same. I can't even tell you, if you get hit by Jesus Christ, you can't talk the same, walk the same, and act the same. That's what you need to know. If an 18-wheeler can knock me over and put me down, you think I can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the Almighty and be okay? You think I can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the Alpha and the Omega and just be like, nothing's changed? But that's how we act. That's how so many of us act. We're like, yeah, I know God is fine. But if nothing has really changed, I just want to ask you, I'm going to ask you, I want all of us to ask ourselves, this is real stuff, did he really hit me? I just want you to know. This is not, I'll say it again, this is not, I need to try to go harder. It's, did he really hit me? Did he really change my life? Because you can't have a real interaction with the living God and not have life change as a result. Now, it's a process. I'm not saying you have these habits that build up for 40 years, and the day one, the next day, everything's changed. Maybe it's so. But sometimes it's a process. It's called grace. It's called sanctification. I'm not saying it's an overnight thing all the time, but I want to ask you, did you really hit you? And you keep, you're like, you keep saying don't try harder. How, how do I, how do I get hit? How do I do that? We've got to make ourselves vulnerable. Because some of us have never let ourselves be vulnerable. We've never opened our hands to what he has for us. We've never obeyed him. We've never taken a risk. We've never tried something out of our comfort zones. We, we, we keep them in this little box. We keep them tight. In a spiritual sense, you need to walk into the street. You need to let him hit you. You need to let him knock you over, whatever that means for your finances, for your family, for your calling, for whatever. You need to let him hit you and see what happens because he is good. He's not safe. He's so good. Let him smack into you to run into you. Allow him to be more. That's my question. Did he really hit you? 28. When they heard this, they were furious. The silversmiths were going back to that. The trinket makers were mad. And they said, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Soon the whole city is in an uproar. All right? The people sees Gaius and Aristarchus, Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia, and all of them rush into the theater together. I wanted to tell you, we must declare war, we must fight our idols. But let me warn you, idols fight back. They're going to fight back. Don't you think for a second, spiritually, you're going to put your foot down, move your idols in the eyes, say, I declare war. And they're just going to wave the white flag. They're going to fight back. There's going to be uproar, there's going to be a challenge, there's going to be some spiritual attack, there's going to be some that's going to come at you. I just want to say, don't be shocked. Don't be surprised. Pray about it. Bring people alongside you. Notice all that companions do you. Does anyone know the fight that you're fighting? Does anybody know the battle you're going up against? Even Paul, the apostles of the Gentiles, this great dude who talked to Jesus face to face. This, this dude knew God, but he still wasn't at the point where it worked. He, he, he needed companions. Do you have them? You have them. Want to see if something is an idol or not? Take it away. We're going to do something fun. Starting next week for 21 days. It's called 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting. It's going to end on Easter. Easter is the 21st, so we're going to pray and fast for 21 days. I'm going to challenge everyone to do something. I don't know what that is for you. Maybe you skip a meal. Maybe, maybe you do coffee or wine or Instagram. or, or I, don't, I don't know what it is. I have no idea what it is. But if you think something's an idol, why don't you start with that? But I want to warn you, when you fight your idols, you're going to fight that. Don't be shocked. Don't be scared. I don't want you to leave today feeling like I'm trying to guilt you or shame you or harden you. I'm preaching to you because I want you to know freedom. 
I want you to know God's love. I want you to know him in an intimate way in which you were designed to know him so that you can have freedom from your past, from your sin, from your guilt, and from your shame. That's how I want you to leave today with your head up high. Knowing the Creator loves you and has a plan for your life. I don't want you to leave feeling like a failure or a loser or any of that. Those are two stuff. Thank you for following with me. 30, let's close here. Paul wanted to appear before the crowd, but the disciples would not let him. Even some of the officials of the prophets, friends of Paul, sent him a message begging him to not venture into the theater. Paul wanted to go, but his friends held him back. They said it's too much. They held him back. I used to work on a church staff, and we would, we would, our church staff, like 30 of us, would hang out with another church about it sometimes, and we would do joint all staffs. Meaning we would do training, leadership talks, and games, and the games always got way too competitive. You haven't really been to a youth group, unless there's a chance you can end up in the hospital. I know a few of you that's happened. Okay, that's, that's being real. Okay? I got so, I don't even know what game it was. I got so into the game, I was screaming, sweating, yelling. One of my friends had to literally bear hug me, pick me up, and carry me out. I don't know where, where I didn't even know who it was. Afterwards, I was like, hey, help me out there. Thanks. Because I was so focused. Paul had that passion. Paul was so focused, he said, I'm going. They said, you're not. He said, you're going to have to hold me back. That is the passion you have to have to declare war against your idols. If you're like, yeah, declare war. You ain't going to win. It's not going to happen. You have to put your feet down, square back your shoulders, look whatever is looming over you up in the eye, and say, you may be great, but my God is greater. I declare war. That's how you got to come talk to me. That's how you got to do it. I want you to have that fire, that passion, and notice it's going to take some others. They're going to have to push you sometimes. They're going to have to pull you back sometimes. Look what happened. The assembly was in confusion. This is funny to me. Some were shouting one thing, some another. Most of the people did not even know why they were there. Is there something in your life where you can honest to God look back and say, what am I doing here? Like, what? Maybe it's sex or an idol of comfort or control or maybe it's something with our mouth or it's a fight you keep getting into. What, what, what am I doing here? Why am I keep doing this? What, 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 am I, what am I doing? That's what idols do. Idols will blur your thinking. You ever hear of beer goggles? <laughs> Are we in church? Can we talk about this? Beer goggles are this. So see y'all after church, we go get your mimosa flight. I imagine. You'd be like, is, is this gluten-free? Not GMO? I can't have any sugar. I'm not mad at you. But the thing is this, here's how it works. You have a few years, you drink something, you start to think a little different. Right? You start to, your, your decisions aren't as clear as they were. It's the same with idols. There's idol goggles. I'm not called idol eyewear. They blur our thinking. We don't make good decisions. Why would you ever put work in front of your children? That's what idols do. Why would you put something in front of your spouse? That's what idols do. They trick us. They fool us. Idols are soul sedatives. Sometimes life is so crazy, life is so hard. Any little thing to numb the pain will take it. Idols are full said this. Idols numb us and blind us to the present reality. And maybe an idol, if you ever looked around and said, What am I doing? Why do I keep chasing those birds? Why do I stay in a job that I hate? Why have I given that voice so much power in my life? Why have I elevated my kids above my spouse? Why on Sundays is church the thing I'll do if nothing else is going on? 
If, if I happen to have time, I might show up. Why am I enabling myself to get hurt again? Why do I keep going down this road? Why am I allowing my past to control my future? You've elevated something to the place of God that doesn't care about you. You've elevated something to the place of God that couldn't care less about you. You've elevated something to the place of God that doesn't care if you live or die. The way to break this cycle, the way to find life, full life, is to live for the one who died for you. So many of us are living for something that does not care about you. You need to live for the one who died for you. What am I talking about? Well, God the Father loves you so much. He saw us in our idolatry. He sees you exactly as you are. And he loves you. He loves you so much he sent his son into this world. And Jesus Christ lived this perfect life. He died this perfect death. Because our God is a holy God. He's a righteous God. He requires perfection from us. And we just can't. We could have done that up. We have mistakes. We have idolatry. We have sin and shame. You and I have added up a pretty big bill of mistakes that we could be on. Jesus Christ came and on the cross, he took the penalty of sin and shame on him. And he wiped the bill clean. He paid the way for us to know the Father. He paid the way to wipe out our sin and our shame and our guilt and our past and allows us clear access to the Father. Jesus Christ risked everything for you. What are you willing to risk for him? Some of us deep down, we're honest to God, we're thinking not much. I'll come to church once a month. I'll give and I feel bad. I'm not, I'm not willing to go all the way. Jesus is willing to give up everything for you. The true way we can discover our purpose, to find out who we really are, to walk into a glorious calling, to truly be the light of the world, the salt of the earth, to truly destroy idols and make a change in this city, is to live for the one who died. My challenge for you today, church. Allow yourself to walk in the street, so to speak, and to get barreled over by him. Let him direct you. He is so good. He has such amazing plans for your life. That if you laid them all out right now, you might pass out. You might think you couldn't handle that. So much is within reach. We must destroy our idols. We must declare war. We believe Jesus is on the move in Virginia Beach. And if you would like to learn more about who we are and our mission, follow us at Ascent Church 757. If you would like to give to further our mission to impact the city and beyond, you can do so at our website, ascentchurch.net. We hope to see you soon.